Welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. Extra Point is a podcast designed to help us take a look at some of the extra points of Sunday's messages here at Moberly Baptist Church. I'm Paul Coleman, the teaching pastor, and today I'm joined by Jeffrey Davis, who's our campus pastor over on our Marshall campus. Jeffrey, good to see you today. Great to be with you, Paul. And I'm excited to talk about this uh, message because it's so pertinent to the life of our church, uh, but also just has a lot of a lot of real practical application, I think, for how we live our lives uh, individually as Christ followers. And uh, it's going to be helpful, I think, to people who are in, on the discipleship journey with us here at Moberly. So tell us, Paul, uh, about the text you chose uh, for this, uh, this last message and maybe why you landed there for a one-off, a standalone, as we call it, you know, not in a series, but how did God lead you to this point? That's a great question. I... Um... You know, as we're in this season right now where we're sharing preaching, uh, we've had a couple of guest preachers in, and um, and then I preached this past Sunday, and, and going forward, we'll have a little bit of that for the next few weeks. I just tried to pray through and think about, you know, God, what are some things that uh, we need to hear as a church? Because we are in this season as a church of preparation, you know, from here going forward until we have our next senior pastor, it really is a time of... of of spiritual preparation for every one of us. It's not just the responsibility of the search committee that will vote on this coming Sunday. It's not just their responsibility to be prepared spiritually. They certainly need to be to hear God's voice and to hear his wisdom in their life and discernment. But each of us as church members also need to be listening, preparing, discerning. And so uh, I think, you know, part of my thinking there as I prayed through that was just thinking about John the Baptist as the guy who came before Jesus as the forerunner, as the one who was the the guy that was sent to prepare the way for Jesus Christ before he came. And so um, this is a passage. It's not a passage that I think I've ever heard preached on, but that's okay. I'm, that doesn't mean it hasn't been. But it's a passage that's always spoken to me because of John's leadership. I just love the fact that he has these disciples that have gathered around him and he, he's not, I mean, the best way to say it's the way I said it yesterday. It's not about me. That's, what, that's the mantra of John's life. It's not about me. I'm not the Messiah. And I've got these guys who are following me and I've had influence over them. But, but I'm not interested in building a camp or building a team or building a, a kingdom for myself. I'm interested in preparing the way for Jesus because that's what I've been sent here to do. And if I could share a story real quick, I didn't share this in the message, so it's kind of an extra thing related to the message yesterday. I just could not figure out how to fit this in, but it's a really um, applicable story that happened to me or in my life. Several years ago, I went to a conference and um, Larry Crabb was scheduled to speak. And Larry is a, a great Christian counselor. I've listened to him on the radio for years, read some of his books. He was actually here in Longview last year. That's right. Supporting our Hope Road Counseling Center. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so I was excited to hear him in person. He did a general session one of the mornings of this conference. So right before lunch, he had the general session. And the title, the topic of his message that day, because they printed all this out before, was God's Kingdom or My Kingdom. And he was hmm. speaking to ministry leaders. And I kind of thought I knew what he was going to say, maybe, before he even spoke. But I, the title of it enough was to cause me to kind of search my own heart and go, yeah, it's sometimes it's confusing. Whose kingdom am I really working for? Am I building God's kingdom or am I focused on my kingdom? So, wow. so I actually was sitting close down front. This is a big, we were in a hotel, big ballroom, you know, meeting room. 
and I was sitting pretty close to the front. So I saw Larry come in like at the last song of the worship set because we had a worship time before, and he's getting ready. They were getting him all mic'd up. I could <laughs> see the, all this stuff going on, you know, and I was kind of fascinated by that. And so he got up to speak, and um, he he didn't start strong. He kind of fumbled around at first, and then he said, he said, I just got to, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. He said, I have been scheduled. I've been brought here. I flew here with my wife. I'm staying in the hotel here, and I'm here to speak on this one topic. Am I building God's kingdom or am I building my kingdom? But I have to tell you that I had the, I just had the worst fight, I think, of my marriage 10 minutes ago in my hotel room with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I'm supposed to come down here and stand before all of you and tell you about building God's kingdom instead of your <laughs> yeah. kingdom. And he said, I've never done this before in my life, but he said, I can't do this today. Yeah. He said, I'm sorry. I'll give you guys money back for bringing me in. I'm sorry about this, but I've wow. got to go back up there, and I've got to work this out with my wife. Wow. And that was it. He walked off the platform. People clapped for him. But to me, what he said by not even preaching on that message stuck with me because I thought, yeah, if, if, if my marriage is not good, I'm not building God's kingdom. Wow. I can't be going out and separating myself from the important relationships in my life and try to think that I'm over here doing something for God. So I, I couldn't figure out a way to work that into the message yesterday. There probably was a place, but it just, for whatever reason, it never landed. But to me, that, that was a John the Baptist move that Larry Crabb yeah. did. It was kind of like, guys, you could I could get up and preach this great message to you and you'd think I'm so great and I would be building my kingdom because sure. I'm not taking because I'm not taking care of God's kingdom and my wife's part of God's kingdom. Yeah. You know. I mean the guy literally wrote the book, you know. He could have given any message he wanted to right. and and uh, but he chose that path. Uh, that's that's real true humility. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> really great. And great leadership. And that's John to me because in this situation as we so the relevance of that I mentioned this in Sunday's message but the relevance for us as a church is that we are about to begin a search. We haven't begun a search yet, but as soon as our committee, our search committee is elected by our church or voted on by our church, they're gonna begin a process of training and ultimately a process of searching diligently for our next leader and our senior pastor. And so we want, I think all of us would agree, based on scripture, that we'd want a leader like that. We'd want a leader like John who would say, when all the attention of the world, his world, was turned on him, I don't. It's not about me. I don't. I don't want the attention. I'm not soaking it up. I'm not building anything for myself. I am here, sent by God, to build God's kingdom and to do what the Lord sent me here to do. So, that's the kind of leader I think we all want. Yeah. In fact, you actually gave our church's definition of leadership. Can you go back over that for our listeners? Yeah, at Moberly, we define leadership as taking responsibility for your influence. So everybody has influence. Right. We talk about circles of influence, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, all these circles, your acquaintances, people you have hobbies in common with, people you uh, are sitting football games with when you're or softball games or whatever, band when your kids are participating in common sporting events or whatever, extracurricular things. We have all these circles of influence that God sovereignly and strategically places us in. And so in those circles, we have influence. Yeah. Sometimes we don't think of ourselves that way, but really we all have influence. It's just 
when we begin to see that we have influence and say, well, I'm responsible for that, I'm responsible for what kind of influence I have, we instantly become leaders in those relationships. That's right. So you were influenced by people in your Christian walk, and I think we've actually talked a little bit about that uh, in in pod, recent podcasts, even about uh, people who had influence on your life as you were growing up in the faith. But what about now? Who, who would you say right now? Uh, and you asked the question, if you were to rank you're the people who are most influential to you. Where would Jesus be on that list? And mm. so I'm not going to throw you under the bus. Let's just say, <laughs> for for the purposes of the conversation, we'll just say Jesus is number one. If he's not, you could, you, you could fix that later. We should turn this off. <laughs> I should go back upstairs, right? <laughs> but but it's a personal question, and and, it, and I had ended up looking back on my own life and reflecting, going, who who am I being influenced by right now? Uh, and, and outside of, of course, our Lord and Savior, but who was it for you? Have you thought about that? That's a great. It is great. Yeah, I have thought about that. It's a great question. I have, I have some friends in my life that are um, guys that I literally grew up with. Some of them I grew up with physically. Uh, they were part of the church that I grew up in. But God did a revival in our youth ministry when I was between my sophomore and junior year, and um, He really brought revival to our youth group and. That's the year I got saved. Several of my friends got saved. So we had a friendship. Several of us guys had friendship anyway, but then God deepened that because it became a spiritual bond. And we really, the last couple of years of high school and even into college, many of us went to the same college because I think we just, I think we sensed that that there was a strong, strong fellowship in that group of guys. And we wanted to, we wanted to stay together as much as we could because we helped each other a whole lot. There wasn't, I wouldn't say with all of them, formal accountability in the sense that we sat down and talked about what our covenant accountability relationship was going to be, but there was a general sense of accountability. If one of us was straying or wandering off, mm-hmm. we would go to the other one and confront the other one biblically and say, look, this, yeah. what's going on here? You got to talk to me about this, you know? So there was a, there was a, a bit of a group accountability there. And so most of those guys went on to serve in full-time Christian ministry, and many of them still do. And so... When I um, when I need advice or wisdom, I mean, there's a couple of those that are closer than others, and certainly I have an accountability partner. He's I would call him my best friend outside of my wife, and he's somebody that I lean on heavily for yeah. wisdom because he walks with the Lord and he loves the Lord and he has ministry experience as well. And so I still say those guys um, have great influence in my life as people who are still alive. There's some people that have gone on to be with the Lord who had influence in my life as well, but those yeah. are obviously not active relationships now. Um, but those guys yeah. primarily are the guys that I have leaned on uh, over the years, when, and they've leaned on me, and we've leaned on each other for different things um, just to be able to speak truth to each other. Yeah, I love it. And and, I, and God designed it that way. And uh, we've talked a lot about the Great Commission around here in our offices and about Jesus's words to go and make disciples, which includes influence, right? Teaching uh, them all the things they commanded and uh, and leading people spiritually. And I wonder, though, if for the, the, the person, the average person sitting in a pew on Sunday, are they uh, are they kind of making the list of all the spiritual influencers they have, or are they thinking when they hear "Where is Jesus in my list of influences?" Um, what kind of influences do you think people are wrestling with in our church, or or not wrestling with? What is influencing people in our church? Boy, you know, I don't know that I could say for everybody, but I do think that with um, 
how we are all so affected by media. Even yes. if we don't watch it on a television, we get it on our cell phones, and most everyone has some kind of a device that they connect to the Internet with. So we all have influences from outside, and we get to choose some of that. I mean, I think a lot of people would say that they recognize that any source of media that they receive probably has a, unashamedly a bias. And yep. you, there was a day when people would say there's no bias. It's, <laughs> you know, it's neutral, it's ob- objective, whatever. I don't think anybody thinks that's true anymore. We've, we've no. changed. We all know that if I want to <laughs> get this perspective, I'll watch this. If I want to get this perspective right. over here, I'll watch this. And so, um, but even with that, there's, I, I think that a lot of what people feel, and I, I could be wrong about this, but I think a lot of people feel based on what they see happening in our country, obviously COVID, the violence that we've seen uh, come out of these protests and things, the lawlessness of some of that, the uncertainty about the election, that there's probably a level of stress that people have because of media's influence on them. Now, I'm not saying that you should turn everything off and bury your head in the sand and not know what's going on in the world that God's called you to live in. Um, certainly those things, that are, they're, they're not part of his will necessarily, but we are called here to be influencers and you need to know what's going on. But I do think, uh, I do think that allowing scripture and your relationship with God to have the most influence yeah. on you, which means that to some degree you need to spend more consistency, greater greater quantity of time reading, listening, sitting Mm -hmm. still before the Lord uh, to counteract what you're seeing happen in the culture. Because if you just focus on what you see happening around you, even though where we live in East Texas, we're not seeing a lot of that ourselves, uh, we think about the future and we think, man, if if this is the way that that our country's headed, this is the way the world's headed, it's kind kind of a scary thing. You get anxious about that. But Again, you go back to the Lord and you go, well, the Lord's still in control. He's still sovereign. He's still good. He still loves me. He's still got a plan for me to be here, a purpose for me being here. I focus on that, and I can yep. I can rise above the circumstances that I see happening around me. It doesn't change that they're—it doesn't mean that, again, I bury my head in the sand and go, well, I'm just not going to—I'm going to turn a deaf ear to that. I need to know what's going on, right. but I also don't want to become— um, so deafened by that that I can't hear God speak to me about what's true. Yeah, because if we're truly going to rank our influences, it's not that we just have a list of 10 and they fall where they fall. You kind of have to pit one up against the other. Yeah. So it could be a a helpful spiritual practice for someone to to do some self-reflection and say, okay, media is a common influencer in our culture. So ask the very specific question is, am I being more influenced in the world, in, in what's happening in the world today by media or by Jesus? Yeah. And uh, that's that, a good question. That could help people mm-hmm. maybe get a grip on what's shaping their lives. I love what you said about we've got to intake more. Uh, you know, it's quantifiable, really, time we spend with Jesus, and it shows how much he's worth to us. Right, and it does affect our mood. It affects our attitude. It affects um, our perspective, how we see life. And if we're just focused on the negative things, and there are plenty of those to be focused on, um, I, I said at some point in the sermon on Monday, or sorry, on Monday, on Sunday, <laughs> um, that what's happening in our culture. I don't know if I said it in all the services, so I may not have said it at the eight o'clock service, which you all heard over Marshall, but I don't remember. But I did say the craziness that we see happening in our culture, we have to remember that our struggle and our warfare is not against flesh right. and blood. Right. 
and that ultimately a president is not the hope for what's going to change our country. Right. Now, a president has a lot of effect and, and a lot of power and a lot of influence and can make a lot of change. So I'm not diminishing that role. is very, very important. But we know the only one, we have a personal relationship with the only one who can really affect lasting change in anybody's life. And and we are, like John, we are called in this season of, of the life of our country to get to be the proclaimers, to get to be mm-hmm. the ones that announce the Messiah is here who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about media as you were talking about that and the new president uh, who well, we may have a new president, we may have a returning president. We have no idea uh, what's going to happen in the election. Uh, but one of the lenses that I think most people see all of news through is how does it affect me? And uh, and that's one of the first questions we want to ask is, are my taxes going to go up? You know, right. uh, am I safe? And there's all these kind of questions we might ask, how does it affect me? But the point of the message was, my life is not about me. <laughs> that's right. Talk that's about right. how, you know, as you're developing this message about John the Baptist and how unique of a guy he was and all that, how did you anticipate that message landing on people's lives? It's not about me. It's so subtle. I think I I think that's a, a common thing that I have to struggle with personally. I have to ask and answer that question all the time. Is this about me? Sometimes I find that I it is, and I have to reject that and go, it's not about me, mm. you know? If if I'll just live the sermon I preached, <laughs> I'll be great, you know? If I really literally can focus on what God's called me to do, which is what John did, and 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 not worry about what what anybody else is doing or should be doing or I wish they were doing or I'm mad at them for not doing or whatever it might be, um, then I can stay in that place of peace in my life with the Lord. But but at the other on the other hand, if I am looking around at other people, what are they doing? You know, or you know whatever it might be, then I'm not going to have any of that peace. And I'm really saying in that moment, even though I may be struggling with anxiety, I'm still saying it's about me. But that's why, and I'm not saying everybody who struggles with anxiety is there, but I'm saying yeah. that can be a byproduct of life being about you is having a heightened sense of anxiety in your life because sure. you're concerned and worried about yourself and trying to take care of yourself instead of committing yourself to the Lord and allowing Him to take care of all that. And that's yeah. where the peace comes from. Yeah, Wow. So, well, let's go to a uh, just something you mentioned toward the end of your message about John the Baptist, because uh, when we're talking about our life not being about us and even anxiety, it's interesting that you brought that up. Um, a lot of people struggle with, as Christians, feeling inferior. And you said that we need to decrease in inferiority. Um, and just to kind of recap that a bit, uh, we shouldn't shrink back from embracing God's plan for our lives nor the message that he's given us to share, uh, that there's like a godly confidence that comes through knowing Christ uh, to share and to spread the good news. Uh, but was that always the the case in John the Baptist's life? You mentioned one part of Scripture shows up in Matthew. Uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I said I would mention this in the podcast, so let's talk about it a little bit. There's a passage, Matthew 11, first few verses there where... Um, John the Baptist is is in prison, and ultimately he's going to be beheaded. He's going to lose his life. I don't know if he how much of that he was aware of, or if he really sensed that this was the end of his life. I'm not sure about that. But but John the Baptist is thrown in jail, and um, 
obviously his disciples have come to see him. And, and it's interesting to me, even because this is not initially, this is later at the end of his ministry, he still has disciples. That's interesting to me too, mm-hmm. because at some point, John's even in the John passage, the John 3 passage, John the Baptist is trying to point his disciples to Jesus. And he's trying to say to them, it's okay that my role is changing. It's okay that because their complaint was everyone's going to him. Everyone's going to Jesus <laughs> to be baptized. It's like you're losing street cred, John. You're losing <laughs> your popularity here. And eventually that's going to affect us. We're losing. You know, we've attached ourselves to you. So I think it was a, a, obviously an insecure moment in their life. I talked about that. But I also think that um, – I said in the message that I don't think John ever struggled with inferiority. I, you don't, you can't find a passage I said where you see him struggling with inferiority. And yet in Matthew 11, it looks like if you just read it on his face, it looks like that John's having self some doubt about Jesus. Like, are you really the one? Are you really the Messiah? In fact, he sends the disciples to ask Jesus, "Are you the expected one, or should we continue to search or, or wait or look for the Messiah?" And so you initially would say, "Well, that's interesting because the very first." The very first time that John sees Jesus coming to him when John's baptizing out in the wilderness, he says to everyone, behold, look, guys, here's the Lamb of God Mm -hmm. that takes away the sin of the world. That is an amazing, bold statement to say to these Jewish people. Hadn't even met the guy. Maybe. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, they were related, but we don't know if they ever knew each (laughs) other before or met each other or whatever. But he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And then later, just a couple verses later in John 1, he says... He outranks me. This is the one who outranks me. He he is um, he outranks me because he existed before I did. So, and he didn't physically exist before John. Right. He was born after, after John. So John, I I don't believe it's inconsistent to me. I don't believe that John was struggling with doubt when he was in prison. I think he realized I'm not going to be here much longer. What's going to happen to my disciples? Are they going to crater? Are they going to if they put their hope in me? Alone, I can't do them any good. I'm not the Messiah, which mm-hmm. he told them in John 3. He said, you guys know I'm not the Messiah. Right. And they demonstrated in that passage that they didn't really understand who Jesus was. I think John is sending them to Jesus to say, look, guys, Jesus is the Messiah. Go ask him if he's the one, point blank. Yeah. And then Jesus answers them, you know, the sick are healed, the lame can walk, you know, blind or receive their sight, whatever. And so... I believe that what John was trying to do, again, was build the faith of his disciples, not in himself. Again, John's saying it's not about me. That's consistent to me. And, of course, it's a little bit of speculation because, you know, we're not sure exactly. He could have been having doubts. I mean, that's human, too, to have doubts, even when you're in your time of crisis, you know, like that. But it's kind of inconceivable to me that the guy who was so clearly sure that Jesus was the Lamb of God and he hadn't done a single miracle yet mm-hmm. at that point. Right would then doubt later on as Jesus continued to verify through the miracles and different things that he was, in fact, the Messiah. So I think he was trying to say, as again, a great leader, guys, it's not about you following me. It's about you following Jesus, and I'm here to point you to him right, and get you to follow him. So I think that's what Matthew 11 was really all about. Yeah, it's so consistent with the definition of leadership, taking responsibility for your influence. And so for our listeners today, the first step is understanding they have influence and to yeah. understand that they are a leader, that they have spiritual influence over people. Who are those people looking to? Are they, because we don't, we won't last forever, uh, you know? 
And uh, it's easy for me to think as a minister, pastor, how, you know, people could look to me for spiritual influence, uh, but it's so much bigger than just our positions or our roles. Uh, my son knows I'm a pastor, but he doesn't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and, he knows uh, you're a dad. He just, yeah, but he does know I'm a dad. And it's the same for every other dad in our church, whether mm-hmm. you're a pastor or not. Um, every dad has, has a kid who knows their dad. And, and what does that kid going to know about Jesus because of that dad's influence? Um, because if he puts his hope in his dad or her dad, it's not going to last. Well, and let me even take, because I think, you know, I've, I'm in a season of life where my son will be 30 in two weeks. Wow. Yeah. And so then where you are, where my son was very small and I and it was very obvious to me that he would mimic things that I did and he would he couldn't wait till I got home every day. He wanted to play with me, he wanted to talk to me, you know. So when your kids are little, you realize, man, I have so much influence over them. But even as a, a guy who has a thirty year old son, I go, What I do between now and the time that I go to heaven is probably just as important in the life of my son as what I did when he was in my home from age one to 18. Because if I decided now that I'm going to relax my relationship with the Lord or I'm going to not pursue the Lord as much in my life, he's going to know that. He's going to see that in me. He's going to hear that in my conversations. He's going to know that because he knows me. And if if that was all about me just getting him to go to church or getting him to have you know a, a relationship with the Lord, but it wasn't real for me or didn't matter to me or Jesus didn't rank highest in my life, He's going to know that about see me. see right through it. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's, yeah, that you're right. Dads have incredible influence for their whole life, the whole time that they're in their kids' lives, and um, whether their kids are adults or whatever. Now, certainly it does change when you're an adult, and you don't depend and rely on your parents as much for anything, even yep. spiritual influence, because you have your own relationship with God. But... That's the best gift I think anything any parent or leader can give to someone else is to help them learn to walk spiritually with the Lord, to to have to start a relationship with the Lord, and then to make those spiritual discoveries to begin to own their own faith, and ultimately to become a leader themselves. That's but right. you know, to have their own walk with the God is their own walk with God is the greatest gift you can give them because then it's about them and Jesus. I used to. I tell you, and you'll experience this someday, when my son drove out of the driveway the first few times to go off to college, and he was only two hours away in Dallas, but we took him and followed him the first time because we took all his furniture in our truck. But then when he would come home and visit and then he would leave, every time he left for the first probably year, uh, whether it was to go work at summer camp or go on a mission trip or any time he left the driveway and I'd see him drive out of that driveway, I'd just turn around and tear up. And I think he's not ever going to live in this house again, you know. Mm. And uh, you know the reality of that was though. And I so I would think, what if something happens when he's driving back to school? What if something, you know, what if uh, you get fearful and start thinking about that? And then I would go. This thought would come over me: He's not mine. He has a relationship with you, Jesus. And if you choose to take him home at any moment, that's your decision. And I'm going to be with him forever, and nothing's going to change that. So I don't have to worry about any of that. He's your child. You're, you, you and he have a relationship. So I don't worry about those things. And, I, and it really let me release those things because it's just natural for a parent to feel that way. But yeah. um, to be able to release him because he did have a relationship. He had his own relationship with the Lord. You yeah. Know? Wow. So 
There's so much to be said about leadership and influence. And if uh, any of our listeners are not plugging into church and involved in the Connect group, maybe you're just checking into sermons here, maybe you're just checking out the podcast, wondering, you know, if you're going to plug in, uh, I'll just tell you that it is practical and helpful for your life to be plugged in at Marley Baptist Church right now uh, to get involved and to let yourself be changed, not only by the truth of the gospel, but the reality that uh, you are a spiritual leader. And uh, you can. And we want to help you take uh, responsibility for your influence. So thanks for listening today and for joining in on our conversation. And we hope to bring you more conversations. Check back next week for another episode of the Extra Point Podcast. In the meantime, come check us out at one of our campuses if you're not attending already. You can find more information about Moberly at moberly.org. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.